Battleline Podcast, Ian Scotto here, hoping that all of you listening had a very Merry Christmas, but none had a more Merry Christmas than our friend Gary Brugman. Yes, I'm sure many of you know what I'm talking about if you're on our social media or if you've even been following the news, you should know. It's awesome. Full presidential pardon, well-deserved for former Border Patrol agent Gary Brugman, who you've heard on the show before. You heard him way back on episode 11, actually. And I'll get into it right after this, and and we will Chiarucci coming on. But before we do, got to let you guys know about our friends at Fort Scott. You hear us talk about them every show. And if you're not stocked up on ammo, you got to do it. Fort Scott Munitions is a manufacturer of multi-federal patented solid copper and brass CNC spun ammunition that is designed to tumble upon impact in soft tissue, leaving devastating wound channels for faster bleed out and quicker incapacitation. This ammunition was originally developed to innovate and improve on the standard of military-grade ammunition design, and it was found that not only did the TUI ammunition outperform competitors in the self-defense industry, but it quickly became apparent that it would be a top contender for hunters alike. With the ammunition being CNC-spun, the tolerances are some of the tightest on the market, ensuring that you receive the same results with each pull of the trigger. Fort Scott Munitions is available throughout privately owned businesses in all 50 states, as well as direct online through fortscottmunitions.com. Follow them at Fort Scott Munitions on Instagram. Uh, yeah, there was a, a imposter Fort Scott Munitions that is still up there, but the profile has been changed. But yes, it's F-O-R-T-S-C-O-T-T-M-U-N-I-T-I-O-N-S. Except no imitators. Use the exclusive promo code BATTLELINE when you go to fortscottmunitions.com. Link to that is in the show description. And when you use that promo code, you're going to get 15% off your order. Only available to listeners of the Battleline podcast. Huge thanks to them for all that they do and supporting us since the origin of this show. And I can't forget our friends at Hero Soap Company. No chemicals, dyes, or fragrances. No parabens that are found in common soaps linked to breast cancer and reproductive complications in men. And they just launched a new body wash in three different scents, lavender, the pines, and the meadow. But the meadow is already sold out, so they're going quickly. Some of the others might be sold out by the time you hear this. So get on it. They all include natural ingredients that your skin craves to stay hydrated, like olive oil, essential oils, and, of course, aloe vera. Veteran-owned and focused on veteran charities, which include the charity Chris founded, 14th Hour Foundation, who they donate to, and for all subscription purchases on soap, on the hard soap, that is, um, they do the subscription for the soap, not the body wash yet. Um, they match that amount of soap and send it overseas to a deployed location for guys who need it. Yep, the subscription is shipped straight to your door every month, so no worry of running out. Dudes always run out of stuff, so get on that. Or you can just try it. You know, you, with that, with the subscription, there's no uh, contract you can cancel at any time. But if you just want to try out stuff for the first time, you can do that as well. And you'll be hooked. Their stuff is great. I mean, the Peppermint Plus Cool is an experience. You're going to love it. So let freedom clean. Go to HeroSoapCompany.com. Once again, use that same offer code. It's BattleLine for 15% off. And you can combine that with a subscription for 10% off only at HeroSoapCompany.com. With that, 
Let's hit the music. Let's get right into everything. Special guest this episode, Will Chiarucci. From Omaha, Nebraska to New York City, from planet Earth to extraterrestrial life in space, a podcast with no equal, engaged in unconventional warfare through your speakers and headphones. This is a show about embracing the suck, conquering your demons, and finding God in the face of adversity. Chris Tonto Peranto. Switch is on. Motherfucker, I'm going to shoot you in the face. Ian Scotto. You know, Ian and I have been dating for a long time. You are now tuned into the Battle Line Podcast. The switch is on. Battle Line podcast. First and foremost, once again, hope everybody had a Merry Christmas. But the the unfortunate news I heard about, of course, along with everybody else, was this bombing that happened in Tennessee. I'm recording this intro on Christmas, so there's not a whole lot uh, to be said. There's not a whole lot of info out there. But by the time you hear this on Monday and later, there's probably going to be a whole lot more info out there, I would assume. There's nothing I could say, though, other than that we're praying for the people who were affected by this, and I hope that we get to the bottom of it. With that, the positive news was that friend of the show, Gary Brugman, has received a full presidential pardon. Unbelievable. I'll be completely honest. I first made contact with Gary because he was a friend of Chris's and came out to the battle line courses, wanted to come on the show. And we were trying to do a lot of stuff in studio then while New York was open. So I said, hey, man, we'll, we'll try to make it happen if you can come in studio. And I, I didn't think he would. He made the trip all the way from Texas to New York. And at that point, I'm like, all right, that's a dedication. I have to get this guy in studio. I knew very little about the case. And I knew that there were a lot of people uh, out there who, who are in prison for something, trying to get a, a pardon, whether it's Border Patrol agents like him or military members, and sometimes it's rightfully deserved, sometimes it's not. Um, I try to reserve judgment until I hear the full story. When I actually met Gary, I couldn't speak more highly of him, just truly a nice guy and actually a guy that I connected with on a level outside of all that for his uh, love of all things, 80s, Sunset Strip, uh, hard rock and heavy metal, and we connected right away on that level. Uh, and then when I heard his actual story on the show, I was I was like, how did this guy spend two years in prison and now have to continue to live his life with this felony where he could only advance to a certain stage at the age that he's at because he's being held back from jobs that he's, you know, without a doubt qualified for. And if you hear the full story, which is back on episode 11, if you want to look back or listen back, I should say. It's really ridiculous because it was over an altercation, which I do believe Gary was in the right. But even if you don't believe Gary was in the right somehow, no one was seriously injured at all. 
you know, Gary did not pull a weapon out or anything like that. No one was shot. No one was physically uh, hurt. It, it, it was a completely ridiculous sentence that he got. And Gary has been working his ass off for these past few years to get a pardon. And I'm going to be completely honest with you guys. I did not think it was going to happen. When I think of a presidential pardon, just in general, I think usually people get pardoned are those who could do political favors for the president, whether it's going to be for their next term or for when, in the, in this case, as they leave office, if they could do some type of a political favor. And there really are no political favors that Gary could do for someone. He's not a politically connected guy. He's just a working class American trying to get his name cleared. So on some level, if I'm going to be completely honest with you, and I never said it to Gary, I felt on, I, I really did feel on some level he was wasting his time. And I hate to say that because I just didn't think it was going to happen. And I just figured, you know, live with this however you can and do the best with what you got. But he kept the faith regardless of who didn't. And some of you guys kept the faith more than I did and really were working your ass off to get this, uh, get the word out about his story on social media and get the word out about it through petitions, tweeting the president. And it happened. And I'm, I'm extremely happy for him. I'd love to get him back on the show to really just talk about how he feels. I know that he's overjoyed. Episode 65 in two weeks when Chris is back, we don't have any guests planned. We wanted to do a guest-free show, but maybe we could bring Gary on really briefly just to get his thoughts. Uh, but I'm so happy for the guy. And looking at some of the responses on Twitter from uh, Tara Setmayer, a friend of mine who you guys have seen on CNN, uh, Sarah Carter, who's a great friend and uh, reporter, and that Gary has known from her radio show. She was very overjoyed about it. And even Headbangers Ball's own uh, Ricky Rackman, who is a friend of Gary. Even Ricky was uh, really excited about it. And when he, he said when he saw the text from Gary, it felt like an early Christmas present. And it did for me, too. I mean, uh, you know, at this age, there's not so much that you're looking for during the holiday season. I was just hoping for justice to be served. And to my surprise, it was. Um, when I looked at that White House statement, it really just made me feel good. And if I could pull that up, I have all my notes here. I'm trying to find it. There we go. Uh, this is actually from the White House website. So it says, Gary Brugman, President Trump granted a full pardon to Gary Brugman. His clemency is supported by numerous elected officials, including Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick, Senators Ted Cruz and John Cornyn, Representative Louis Gohmert, great guy, by the way. I do know uh, Congressman Gohmert. Representative Ted Poe, Representative Steve King, Representative Paul Gosar, Representative Walter Jones, rest in peace, Walter Jones, uh, Representative Brian Babin, and Representative John Culberson. Others who support this part include Laura Ingram, Sarah Carter, Glenn Beck, Lou Dobbs, Bernie Carrick, and numerous members of the U.S. Border Patrol. Mr. Brugman served this country for eight years in the, in the uh, Coast Guard and then for four years as a U.S. Border Patrol agent while protecting our border at Eagle Pass, Texas. Mr. Brugman intercepted nearly a dozen illegal immigrants, pursued them on foot, and apprehended them. Mr. Brugman was accused of knocking one of the illegal immigrants to the ground and was prosecuted on, the, on that basis for deprivation of rights. He served 27 months in prison where other inmates sought to harm him because of his law enforcement background. After being released from prison, Mr. Brugman went on to obtain his bachelor's degree in business administration and management. And 
what they don't what they leave out there is just the fact that yeah he may have uh, received his bachelor's but when you have this record on you know you have this crime on your record it looks bad even with when you look into it there was no reason for him to be arrested so he just had to deal with a lot of crap for lack of a better way of putting it and I'm so happy to see that Gary is a free man. So if you want to hit him up on Instagram, it's Gary.Brugman and congratulate him. And I really hope that uh, whatever this next step in step is in his life, that it goes well because he deserves to have all the happiness that he can. And hopefully uh, we'll hear from him in a couple of weeks. With that, we have Will Chiarucci coming on. Really excited. He's a guy that I met over at Gotham Podcast Studios when we were recording in the city. And now that we're not, I haven't seen him in a little bit, but I, he's one of those guys I said we have to have on because he's just a sports fanatic. And I like to talk about different things on this show, especially the weeks where it's just me here. So before we get to him, uh, once again, Fort Scott Munitions is a manufacturer of multi-federal patented solid copper and brass CNC spun ammunition. It's designed to tumble upon impact in soft tissue, leaving devastating wound channels for faster bleed out and quicker incapacitation. I know you guys have Christmas money. I know what you guys like. (laughs) So this is where you want to go. This ammo was originally developed to innovate and improve on the standard of military grade ammunition design. It was found that not only did the TUI ammunition outperform competitors in the self-defense industry, but it quickly became apparent that it would be a top contender for hunters alike. With the ammunition being CNC spun, the tolerances are some of the tightest on the market, ensuring that you receive the same results with each pull of the trigger. Fort Scott Munitions is available throughout privately owned businesses in all 50 states, as well as direct online through fortscottmunitions.com. Use the exclusive promo code BATTLELINE for 15% off your order, no matter what you're buying there. Um, Other than subscription, you're going to get 15% off when you use the promo code BATTLELINE. Only for our listeners, Fort Scott Munitions is a proud supporter of Chris Peranto, Battleline Tactical, and the Battleline Podcast. They've been with us since the very beginning, so show your support for them. Also, I recently got the Mellow Pack. They have a uh, a $5 sample pack at Ned, at uh, helloned.com, for their uh, magnesium supplement, Mellow, which is really great, because magnesium... Unless you're eating a lot of dark chocolate, uh, and I mean a real lot of dark chocolate, avocado, Brazil nuts, like anything high in magnesium, unless you're eating those constantly, you are probably low in your diet of magnesium. So I really recommend it, and it actually is a great sleep supplement because it's mixed with GABA, and you're going to have amazing dreams when you take it, trust me. Uh, Really worth checking out. And yeah, when when you enter that Delta sleep cycle, uh, or delta phase of your sleep, which people think like the deepest phase of sleep is REM sleep, which it's not. It's that delta sleep. Uh, that magnesium is going to help with that. That's when your body produces the most growth hormone. So any of you guys who are athletes or who are training, like it's going to help you with your recovery tremendously. So I would check that out. And also, of course, check out their CBD. CBD has become extremely popular in the past year making it more and more difficult to choose the right company and product. That's where Ned comes in. Ned, they have uh, full transparency, zero isolates or synthetic ingredients. It's just the best CBD on the market, I would say. 
and it contains only two ingredients, full-spectrum hemp extract and non-GMO organic MCT oil. That's it. They also have the body butter, lip balm, natural cycles line, the mellow supplement that I spoke about. That's brand new. And like I said, if you want to try something for the first time, that's actually only $5 at the site. Just go to all products and you're going to find it. Um, And that's actually a good one to take if you're worried about uh, getting drug tested with CBD because CBD does contain a minuscule amount of THC. But unless you're worried about that uh, and you don't have to get drug tested because it doesn't get you high, I would check it out. I would check out a whole bunch of their stuff, honestly. They just put out the best supplements. So um, go check it out for yourself at helloned.com slash battleline or enter the code battleline at checkout for 15% off your one-time order or 20% off your first subscription order plus free shipping. That's H-E-L-L-O-N-E-D.com slash battleline to get 15% off your first one-time order or 20% off your first subscription order plus free shipping. Thank you, Ned. Yeah, I really dug the Mellow Supplement. I've been a big believer in magnesium supplements for a while now. And yeah, that thing had me having some awesome dreams and I woke up super refreshed. So once again, helloned.com slash battleline. With that, Will Chiarucci. For the first time on Battleline Podcast, Will Chiarucci from On The Board Sports, uh, one of the hosts of On The Board Sports. And you know what's the funny thing is you're just waving to me because I don't end up using this video for anything. Uh, But to give some background, actually, you and I met when we were recording at Gotham Podcast Studio. And the thing with that place was it was in the heart of Midtown Manhattan. And the whole reason I really enjoyed recording there is is always, you know, when I um, started this podcast with Chris, the whole idea was like if someone was in town promoting something, it would not be hard to just get them to come by because Fox News is right in the area. Sirius XM is right in the area. So that was my like first episode. There was a UFC event and I was like, let's try to get someone on. And, uh, uh, you know, Chris, like I know Andre Olavsky, maybe he'll come on. And then he came in studio and now it is a totally different world. But I'm glad to have you on, man, with, with that. Ian, man, thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate this opportunity about to talk about our podcast, the Onboard Sports Podcast, and, you know, talk about the sports world in general and how we met uh, at Gotham. So that's really, it, I can't believe it's almost been a year. It's been just about a year, just about, right? Since since everything happened. Just since about, I, yeah, and probably about a year since we met because the show's been going on, just our show's been going on just a little over a year now. Yeah. And yeah, everything just changed, especially for you, I should say, with your podcast, because when the whole quarantine situation happened and the whole pandemic hit, I think one of the biggest indicators was like, okay, this is unlike anything we've seen before is like, I remember I was actually, I was training people at a gym in Hicksville and I was at a Buffalo Wild Wings and just watching ESPN, like in between, you know, training people and watching ESPN. It was, I think the first sport that was canceled, they were like, the NBA is canceled, right? right. And then we heard, and you know, eventually MLB, NHL and you know, I know for you, you were like the biggest sports fanatic in the world. <laughs> it, it's unlike, you know, sports has always been a constant in your life and even my life as a casual thing. Yeah. So when I heard about the uh, when I heard about sports canceling, it was really the Rudy Gobert incident where he caught the coronavirus. Yep. And basically that just was a chain of events going on. 
Uh, I remember the following day I went into work and they, you know, they had the NBA canceling their season, not canceling, but postponing their season uh, for a little bit of time. And then the Islanders, you know me as a huge Islander fan. For people that don't know, I am a diehard Islander fan. So I remember they were in Vancouver and they wound up were going to Calgary at that point in time. And I was staying up late watching that Vancouver game, which went to shootout. And they wound up canceling the season because of it. And usually, you know, whatever follows suit happens after that, uh, wound up becoming a pretty big thing. And the next thing you know, you know, we're doing our podcast where we got everything going on. We're recording in the city. I know I'm, I got out of work recording some episodes and working over at the Jacob Javits extension uh, at that point in time. And just, you know, it's just crazy stuff, man. But the bottom line is with the whole sports scene, just basically shutting down for a temporary period of time. Nobody wants to get sick. Nobody wants to have it. People are saying that this is all, some people are saying that this is a hoax. It's not, I had it. My parents. You know, I didn't even know that you got COVID. I actually, yeah, no I, I had it. I had COVID. I, I had it. I had basically the whole, the whole caboodle at that point in time between the loss of taste, the loss of smell, uh, you know, everything that goes on in between stuff that we probably shouldn't be mentioning, but you know, we're mentioning it in any way. Uh, but make no mistake about it, Ian. It's definitely been tough. But at that same point in time, the sports world, they got back on it and they've been sort of somewhat killing it. You're, uh, you're fine now, right? Yeah, I'm fine now. Absolutely. Cool. No, I mean, I'm glad to hear. I genuinely did yeah. not know that because we haven't really been in touch much. I didn't see you post about it or anything. So I'm glad to hear you're you're all right. Yep. Uh, but yeah, and even during that initial time period, what was so strange, too, was when you would turn on ESPN and they had literally nothing to talk about. Right. So it was like days on end of who's a better player, LeBron or Jordan? And people were like, Dude, we got to have something new to talk about here. Yeah. And even then, it just got old after a while hearing hearing that sort of stuff. And I know MSG would air some of the great games from uh, from the Islanders. heyday from when they won their four Stanley Cups in a row to when the Rangers won it in 94. And you had the Knicks in between there trying to be relevant and you know, the Nets and old Yankee games, old Met games. And the, the only sport that you really never saw was football. And, you know, it, nobody really nobody really showed the old Giants highlights or the Jets highlights. You got to go on YouTube for that. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, you know, that time was just crazy. Nobody talking about it. you hearing about, like, oh, who's the greatest of this? Who's the greatest of that? Like, people are trying to make up their content at that point in time. And that's something that, you know, really opened up a lot of doors uh, in that because with us, with our podcast, you know, we had a golden opportunity to talk to many, many uh, great broadcasters, former pro players, people that cover the league and various other sporting uh, teams and such. So it was really a great time doing it and talking with almost everybody uh, that came on the podcast and just talked. It was really a great time. Yeah, and it is true because people were just sitting around, so they had no excuse to not come on a podcast. They weren't they weren't so busy to be able to talk to you and get into their history and that type of thing. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, yeah, of of the sports that have come back, it's been really interesting watching because I think some leagues have been handling it better than others. Uh, you know, I think people felt hockey was a standout. They didn't have that many people who ended up being sick, at least early on. Uh, you know. Baseball early on, definitely a bit of an adjustment. And then there's been 
it's been weird watching how certain teams, they have like cardboard cutouts in the audience. Some don't. Some have audience noise potted up on a board. Some don't. Yeah. And there's no like uniform thing. And it's just, it, we're dealing with a totally unprecedented time. Like as a spectator and a fan, who did you think of all the leagues handled it the best? I thought the NHL handled it the best, to be honest with you, having their bubble involved. I mean, having both Toronto and Edmonton being host cities for the Stanley Cup playoffs and then having to move everybody over to Edmonton for the uh, for the conference finals and for the Stanley Cup finals. I think nobody really talks about the NHL, the way how they handled it. Uh, the following would be probably baseball, uh, not baseball, basketball, excuse me, the NBA. And, you know, yeah, nobody – got sick or anything like that, but they let people's families in and such going in there. And, you know, yeah, that's sort of that closure where everybody, oh, I'm going to be away from my family. I'm going to have this. I'm going to have that. And it's good for the players, for them to have their families there, but you never know who's going to go out there. I know there was one or a couple of storylines in which guys would go to strip clubs or guys would go to, you know, various parties or whatever it was and bring strippers into their rooms, everything like that. And you talk about the the laughing stock. Hey, sometimes good news, bad news is still news at the end of the day. So, you know, it's one of those things where it's just like, uh, you know, you got to watch what you're doing. But at that same point in time, I get it. You know, it gets tiring after a while doing the same thing. But that then it would be baseball. And then, you know, with football going on, football's been trying to do their do their thing somewhat. But they, out of all the sport sports leagues, they had the most time to go out there and plan for this. And they wound up canceling their preseason. They, they still have players still going on with, with the whole COVID, everything like that. So, you know, it's just something that's realistically, uh, you know, you got to make it. You got to make it happen. I understand all these leagues are losing out on money and everything like that. That's the number one thing is money with them as, as opposed to seeing all the other sports leagues, whether it be college leagues or pro minor league teams just basically canceling their season. Then they're a big business and they got to go out there and they got to make the money while they can. So of course that's it. Yeah. I just, it's not going to be the same obviously until people can actually go to, and I know that there's been stadiums where they have a select amount of people spread out with social distancing, but I just always think, especially with us as New Yorkers, like, Sports is the one thing that kind of brings people together and steps away from politics, steps away from divisiveness. And I feel like until you have people going on a subway, going to Mets games, you know, meeting at at Nassau Coliseum to go to Islander games or wherever they're going to be playing now um, in Belmont. But it's just it's not the same having people separated and just talking about it on Twitter. And I don't feel like there's that um, camaraderie among sports fans right now that there was. A year ago, and it's going to be a while till we get back to that. I agree with that, you know, and also too, like some of the uh, some of the fan some of the fan groups, like the, the section I said with the blue and orange army. Uh, the one guy, great guy, Fess, he basically had a you know uh, a bash at the beach, basically watching Islander games on the beach over in Suffolk County. Like literally, he would have. Yeah. That. He would have the the screen put up in place, everything like that. He would have a projector, and there would be like a group of maybe 20, 30 people, socially distant, of course. But they wound up, we wound up watching Islander games like that, and we would go to like Eisenhower Park, everything, watching the game. So, you know, there's that camaraderie. And then once you post it on social media and with the following that they have, you, many people are like, wow, you know, 
how can I watch, how can I be a part of this or how can I watch this? And it was really cool. It was really fun to be a, a part of that. And sometimes you got to be creative in, in some of these times, you know, and yeah, we're in a pandemic. I know that. And I understand that totally to the fullest effect. But ultimately, at the end of the day, man, you know, when you're looking at everything right now, uh, that's just you, you talk about camaraderie in a sense, Ian, like that, like the bond. Think about it like that. The Islanders made it all the way to the Eastern Conference Finals. They built. They were amazing up. this year. Yeah. They they were great. They were great, and they wound the the fan base found a way to go out there and and watch games, whether it be at a at a at a bar socially distant, at a beach socially distant. I think the next thing what might happen now, and I'm not saying that this is us at all or anything like that. You might see fans tailgating outside for these games while while they yeah while you're gonna have them play it outside i mean i can't question the the uh the resolve of the islander fan for sure but it's just unbelievable uh what happened over the summer and how we were talking about the camaraderie of the fan just basically coming together now i haven't seen any other fan bases do this in, in the pro sports whether it be jet fans giant fans met fans yankee fans uh even the short island team that plays right around the block from gotham podcast studios you know, Knicks, Nets, same thing. You know, notice how I didn't mention that team, but but uh, you know, you got to you got to be creative in these situations. So you know, it's it's definitely cool. It's definitely been. Cool I, I had no idea that that was even going on. Um, you know, because I'm not as involved in that world as you are, and I just know of you know my friends watching it on TV at their home, and I'm like, this isn't the same. But I didn't know that there was that going on. Um, because, you know, this is really a national, international audience, but I just have to say like the New York sports fan, when you think of like the seven line army for the Mets, mm-hmm. they're just so passionate. The only city I might say is more passionate, but they're kind of dicks about it. And I've said it before is Philadelphia. Yeah. They're, they're very passionate, but also, uh, you know, not exactly like the nicest people. And I lived there for a year, right. <laughs> but, uh, you know, other states don't have that the way that we that we do in this whole New York metro area. Yeah, absolutely. And the one thing about especially the, the Islander fan is that they, they've been passionate through the losing years and, you know, they find a way to go out there and really root for their team and make it make it so passionate. And there's such a small fan base as opposed to all the other all the other uh, fan bases here in the New York metro area that they don't really get any love or any any sort of uh, recognition. But they are loud, loyal and like I said before, they're very passionate for their team. Well, the thing is, if, um, you know, people outside the state travel to New York and they want to come see a game, I you know, when things get back to normal, obviously, because you can't do it now. But Islanders and Mets are really the only games you can go to around here where you're not going to be spending an absolute fortune just to get into the place. That's right. And, you know, you could even throw in Jet games, too, because of how bad the Jets have been. (laughs) Maybe we can get into that. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I remember when I was last year, when the Jets played the Steelers, it was 90 percent Steeler fans in and around and you know they they came out with the stat that the Jets would always be the second best attendance in the league and meanwhile you got to look at it and you got to say to yourself because the Jets have been so bad you know you had the opposing fan bases coming down because of a how cheap the tickets are and b nobody wants to go to a Jet game so that's what it really comes down to I feel like every week I see you on Instagram going live after a Jets game. Yeah. <laughs> you just look so disappointed, man. It, it, listen, I mean, I'm happy for the players that they won 
that they won their one game, but for the fan base in general, I mean, and you hear it all the time on whether it be on ESPN or on WFAN, wherever you may get your sports uh, sports info from, Ian, you know, they are just we're just pissed off because of the fact that there's that number one overall pick, that game changing quarterback talent in Trevor Lawrence being over there, that franchise changer, and yet you know the Jeff Van, oh, they can't lose on purpose, they can't do this, they can't. Those players get paid millions of dollars, and they're looking for jobs next year. I mean, I want people to think about that, especially in this climate right now. They, the players don't care about the number one overall pick. Neither does the coaching staff at all. They're trying to coach. They're trying to get jobs next year. And I know that you know certain that certain New York Jets head coach right now looks like he's going to get canned in two weeks. But you know, it's not pretty. And you know, to get to get to where you were coming from with the whole fans. I've been reading a rumor that the governor is looking to have some people at Ralph Wilson stadium up in Buffalo for the Buffalo bills playoff game. That's going to be coming up because the bills are the 2020 AFC East division winners. So you're talking about a home playoff game at Ralph Wilson stadium. And especially now with everything going on, Bill's Mafia, you talk about Met fans and Islander fans. I don't think I've ever seen a much more loyal, passionate fan base outside of those two franchises that I just mentioned than the Buffalo Bills. I mean, those if you watch videos of Bill's Mafia, they throw themselves through tables before a game. I, I, look it up. I'm, I tell you, it is something I else. I believe it. You know, they throw themselves through tables at pregames, everything like that, while they tailgate, and it's – and other various events, but, you know, you talk about a passionate fan base right there that, you know, that's been craving a winner, that they've never won a Super Bowl before, but they've made it to four straight Super Bowls and lost all four of them in a row. Uh, that fan base is definitely really passionate, Ian. And, and we don't even think of them as a New York team, because if you I live here, Buffalo is like Canada. Yeah. Yeah, and so um, with with the Jets, I would assume because I'm you know I'm not someone who loyally follows any of this really, but I would assume that coach is going nowhere. I mean, who's going to want to pick up that coach? I mean, listen, when when the Jets hired him, I was kind of on board with it because not because of the fact of him, it was more because of the fact that he was an offensive minded coach, and the Jets never had an offensive minded coach before in their twenty years uh, since Bill Belichick left. I mean, they had. Al, Al Groh, uh, Herman Edwards, Ryan, Eric Mangini, Todd Bowles, all defensive-minded coaches. And they, the games would always be close. They just couldn't score. Now with this guy here, they can't They can't do anything right. So, And I understand that it's the second year. I understand that there are plenty of things going on. But, you know, you look at some of the stats that are here uh, in front of you, they, you know, he he's just a bad, bad head coach. There's no other way around it. There's no other way around it. Yeah. I mean, when your team wins one game for sure, but yeah, let's get into the podcast itself. Like how did, cause I don't even know how did on the board sports start. How did you and your other hosts meet each other and, and yeah. just get the idea off the ground? Yeah. So I'll start up with how my co-host and I, we, we wound up meeting up. So Sean Thomas and I, we went to Nassau community college back in 2010 and I wound up meeting him at the radio station there, WHPC it's still on 90.3 FM, uh, the radio voice in Nassau community college. And, you know, 
they had a sports show, Morning Sports Live. It would be on every Tuesday. And I remember I listened to it right before I went in and I said to myself, who is this kid talking? You know, I think I could, I think I could definitely uh, be with these guys going on there. Him, Sean, myself, uh, Sean, David Goldstein, great guy. But anyway, uh, I went on the show, was there for a year. They liked me. And I really want, I thought I was going to be in radio. And then all of a sudden, the next thing you know, 2012 comes around. I get a call from my apprenticeship program and I wound up going, going away. And, you know, they wound up staying for a little bit longer, you know, over there. And six years goes by and I keep, I keep tabs with Sean and Sean posts something on his Instagram account, basically saying how he wanted to get back into radio. And I'm like, okay, you know, I'm definitely in. Let's figure out something, you know. I'm just finishing up my apprenticeship program with Local 3. And uh, the next thing you know, here I am, you know, making up the show. We came up with with the show name, like, literally days on the board sports, the logo, everything. You know, we found the, the podcast studio, Gotham, when they were downtown over by the Freedom Tower, and I got to tell you, and it was a fun time. And especially, I'll never forget the first episode that we recorded. It was like, we never lost chemistry, Sean and I. We never lost that chemistry in six years at that time. And we wound up recording stuff. We wound up staying with them up until they moved up to Midtown. And it was great staying with them for about a year and a half, two years with Gotham. And then once COVID happened, uh, you know, we wound up leaving because you know, it was just a tough time and we don't know. Yeah, and there was also no reason to be there, honestly, yeah. in terms, and it's not a shot, obviously of them. It's just the fact that n- no one is coming into the city to do something. And the whole appeal, I think of being there, as I said earlier, was that people, if you had a, you know, for what, with what I do more. So if you have like a New York times bestselling book out, or you're promoting even like a movie, or you're a part of a UFC event going down at MSG, you're going to be in the area, and it's so easy to get someone in studio. So with that, it's like all this technology now, you could record like we are on Squadcast, or like you've been doing on on Zoom, right? Yes, we've been doing it on Zoom. There's just so many other ways to do this right now, but I I definitely do miss that in-studio component. It's not the same. It's definitely not. And, you know, I love going to Gotham, but ultimately, at, and at that time, at the beginning, nobody knew what was going on. You know, it was like, I don't know if we should do it. And my partner and I, we made that joint decision and we, we said no. And don't get me wrong, we met, we, we loved the people over at Gotham and they were great to us and, you know, vice versa. But ultimately, with all this going on, uh, it's been tough. It's been definitely tough to say the very least. But now we're, we're, we learned everything on our own and we could go out there and make our own shows up and we could go out there and be our own producers almost in that sense. So it's been a great time doing this podcast, of course, uh, during this, uh, during the bleakest of times here in this country, but we've really grown a lot, not only as individuals, but as, as a podcasting unit in general. Yeah. It's been a trial by fire for everyone. I mean, even shows I listen to on the national level, like the Howard Stern shows when he first came back, uh, sounded they didn't sound good at all. Like what we're doing right now sounds of better quality than what Howard Stern was doing, as crazy as that is, because they just didn't know what to do. Now you wouldn't know that they're not in studio. So everybody is just learning as they go along. 
Um, but I don't think the city is ever going to be back to what it was. I mean, I hate to say it. I, I read that James Altershore piece about New York City is dead and it's never coming back. And I'm contemplating leaving here, believe it or not. I feel like you you could never leave New York, though. And it probably is tied into sports. I mean, me being where I am, I'm, I'm as you know, I'm an electrician. So working, yeah. working in the five boroughs is something that's going to be a – something that's not going to change up anytime soon. And with, with the city, with the way how everything is right now, you know, usually they say history repeats itself uh, in ways in which if you don't learn from it, you're doomed to repeat it. And, you know, you're seeing it right now with New York in, in the five boroughs and how everything's closed between Broadway being closed. You have all these restaurants uh, closing down right now at this point in time, you're, you're having, which, which is such a big part of why you live here. You know what I mean? If everything becomes an Applebee's like that is not why you go to New York. Yeah. And you know, the, the big chains are definitely, definitely looking at this and they're, they're probably getting hard hit too, but they're making the money. They probably have insurance policies and stuff where opposed to as a small business, you know, they're, they're trying to rely on getting their, you know, their bread and butter, you know, through people like us, you know. And, and you know, I should jump in there. And yeah. people like in your world, Dave Portnoy from Barstool Sports, really setting up that fund and raising, I think at this point, millions of dollars for small New York City businesses. Yeah. It, not only that, but he's been doing it uh, world, all over the USA. I he's mean, doing I, more than Congress is. He's doing more than our government is. I think, listen, in my honest opinion, I wouldn't be surprised if he's – a presidential candidate within the next four to eight years because of not only his popularity, but just what he's doing. He's, he's basically being that guy right now. And I know there are plenty of people out there that are against this guy because he's a quote unquote union buster. Hey, you know, it is what it is there, but he's doing stuff and he's, you know, actions speak louder than words. Ian actions speak louder than words more than they ever will. And he's going out there and he's defending these guys without, you know, without a shadow of a doubt, you know, and you're right. You know, Congress hasn't really done anything to help out the small businesses and such. And here's a guy that's going out there and he's putting his money where his mouth is, you know, so he's he's definitely helping them out. He's definitely helping out the small businesses for sure, especially small businesses out over here and everywhere, really. So it's been absolutely unbelievable to see a guy like that, Dave Portnoy, going out there and saving small businesses. It's just really unbelievable. If he really ran for office, I could see it right now. And that's why I'm smiling. I could see the attack ads of clips of that call her daddy show and being like, is this someone tied to this? Is this who you want running this country? And, you know, (laughs) that show is just like, it's crazy that it's like, almost the number one podcast out there right now considering yeah. rogan is on with spotify but it like for those who don't know totally doesn't appeal to this audience but it's like the raunchiest podcast out there and it makes me think like what the hell have i been doing with my broadcast background when you just have like two attractive girls now one just talking about like their sexual escapades on air and you know like no filter no production value and they are making millions and i'm here just you know Getting by, doing well. You know, we have sponsors on the podcast, which is great, but I'm not on their level. But I'm like, what am I doing wrong? <laughs> well, it's not what you're doing wrong. It's just a matter of, you know, it's what he has done over the course of 17 years in which he's owned Barstool, right? Yeah, Think yeah. about it. He's basically started it up from nothing. He built it up to something that where where it's he sold it for about 
nearly a half a billion dollars. And, you know, in the world that we're living in right now, with everything being so, you know, in, instantaneous, it's, you know, he he's that guy. He is definitely that guy. And not only that, but we live in an age right now, and it's always been like this for, for decades, for centuries, sex sells. And you see it with the caller daddy stuff. People want to hear that stuff because the fact that it's so, it's so unconventional in that sense where, you know, you get the, 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 the PC police coming out or whatever kind of police there is. And yet you can't stop this because it's everywhere. It's in your face. It's everywhere. So Barstool Sports, I think they've been doing a great job trying to market everything right now. And listen, they know it. They see it. And he, Dave Portnoy is making bank. Over. Yeah, and he's apparently doing great with, like, stock and everything. Yeah. Follow everything that he's been up to. Like, yeah, yeah he's he's going to be a future. Well, is he a billionaire right now? He's going to say future he's, billionaire. but He's going to be a future billionaire. Maybe. Yeah, I was like, I don't think he's a bill. He has the billion yet, but he probably will. And it, I will say on some level, though, actually, as a whole, it does make me happy because when actually probably around the time you were getting started in radio, certainly when I was starting in radio and then when I was graduating college since I'm a little older, podcasts were not really a thing. No, I remember early on they were talking about podcasts, but there was no podcast of massive popularity to speak of. Mm-hmm. And then people say to me, oh, you can actually make money doing a podcast, you know, years ago. Now people realize it. But like he definitely proved that and especially proved it that you could do it with people who aren't celebrity, because early on, it was like Joe Rogan has a certain amount of celebrity attached to him. Mark Marin, of course. Um, but over the years, I've just seen podcasts progress. I mean, when Mark Marin had Obama on when he left office, the fact that that was like the first in-depth interview the guy did was on a podcast, not on CNN, not on Fox News. I was like, that tells you something. And then we've seen Joe Rogan now getting a $100 million contract. And I think it's just going to continue to grow. And through the whole pandemic situation, I think more and more people are listening to and discovering podcasts. And I just think this is, I think the sky is the limit for what we do as a whole. I think so too. And, you know, when you look at everything right now, I mean, where are we going to get where are you going to get like in-depth interviews, like, you know, having to talk to broadcasters or players really nowhere, you know, ESPN has their own goal. It has their own entity on trying to go out there and make things work. Right. You can say the same thing with the Fox sports of the world and everything like that. Uh, ultimately at the end of the day, bro, where, when it really comes down to is the fact that you could have anybody go out there and run a podcast. It just depends on who the person is uh, hosting it. It, it. There's all these variables that go out there and make it happen. It, yeah, there's also not as much the like gatekeepers of media that I saw coming up. Right. Like when I worked at Sirius XM, like a lot of the times you had to have someone at the top level who's an executive who liked you and believed in you. Now it's like if you could get the numbers on your own and people and you could connect with the people directly. Um, and we've seen it with pe- people we've had on the podcast before. Um, Graham Allen, who we had on, like he blew up because of Facebook and because of social media. Like he wasn't a you know he's a political commentator, but he wasn't on Fox or CNN or any of that stuff. And I do think that is the future now, and we're seeing it. If you could create your own lane, and and I like, I mean, there's there's benefits and there's drawbacks. The drawback, of course, being that it, there's so much content out there that it's hard to sort through what's good and what's crap. 
But then the benefit now is you can make it on your own without having a company behind you. And eventually some big company like a Barstool Sports could pick you up if you could prove yourself. That's it. And that's the main thing, you know, and I've talked about this with my co-host and I've had many people tell me about this too. And it's so true. You know, if, if nobody wants you at their table, you could always build your own table and then you'll have the people come to you. And as, as you build your own table and as you build your own platform, uh, the people will come. Absolutely. Just like the, the good quote from feel the dreams. If you build it, they will come. Uh, so th- there is definitely that. And, you know, when the people come, that's when you know you're making it pretty big and pretty worthwhile at that point. So we're just, like I said before, we're just a bunch of sports fans, Sean and I, and, you know, we try and make everything work and try and make everything happen. Who who were like your heroes in the sports broadcasting world that inspired you to do what you do? Like, is it Mike Francesa and Chris Russo, Craig Carton, like those guys who we grew up with being New Yorkers or anyone on the national level, like a uh, Stephen A. Smith? Um. I really like broadcasters in general. Like I never really got into the whole sports talk up until I was like maybe 18, 19 years old, having to go out there and listen to the ESPN radio, listening to guys like Michael Kay, uh, Don LaGreca. At that point, it was Ryan Rucco before he moved up in the world where he's where he is now uh, at ESPN. And, you know, I back in 2009, I remember listening to the likes of the Evan Roberts of the world with the Joe Beningos. Those two guys I love because they're sports fans and they're passionate, diehard sports fans. But as far as broadcasters go, like I remember listening to Francesa. I don't consider Francesa a broadcaster, like somebody that's going to broadcast, you know, sporting events. Like guys like Joe Buck. I love Joe Buck. I personally think he's probably the best at what he does right now. Mike Breen, another guy from, uh, ESPN, ABC, MSG, guy is absolutely awesome when it comes to listening and watching a game. And, you know, I like Michael K to a degree. I'm not a fan of his show, but I like him as a broadcaster to an extent. Uh, Gary Cohen, probably underratedly, and he's great. Howie Rose, the great Howie Rose. Uh, Brendan Burke, new guy that came up, love him, met him a couple times. Uh, great guy. Uh, and even some of the national broadcasters, like, you know, even though he's retired right now, Vince Scully, guy's a legend in his own right. You can learn a lot from listening to him and how he broadcasts the game. The great John Forsland from the Carolina Hurricanes. We had him on our podcast. A uh, great guy. And even Doc Emmerich, you know, guys like Doc Emmerich and Kenny Albert, Marv Albert to a certain extent, you know, Kevin Harlan too. And there's other announcers here and there that I could put out there and listen. Spiroditis, another guy, you know, great Somebody, somebody that's knowledgeable and somebody that's really enjoy and enjoyment uh, enjoyable to listen to at that point in time. So I would definitely have to put those guys uh, in that in that field as well. One other guy, one okay. other too, that comes to mind: the great Chick Hearn, the great LA Laker broadcaster who uh, passed away in two thousand and two. I the only reason why I remember him is because of the fact that he was a a uh, a video game voice. Growing up, Kobe Bryant courtside 2000. Okay. So it was pretty cool having to hear his voice, having to hear some of the the isms come out, like the slam dunk and and, and even the great Ralph Waller uh, from the Clippers. He was also in a Kobe Bryant uh, video game. So you're you're talking more about like the play-by-play guys than the the, 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 the on-air commentators. Yeah, yeah. 
Like I, I, so I like what you do is more in that realm. What you do actually is more like a Mike Francesa. Right. I, I, I like, I like Mike Francesa. I like the Evan Roberts, but the guys that I gravitated to were more of the play by play guys and ultimately trying to be a, uh, be a voice uh, in that, like, you know, you always wanted to be a play by play guy. If you never made it into the majors at all or into high school, you always felt like you could always do your own thing broadcasting. And when you give your own opinions and stuff like that, then you kind of gravitate back to that Francesa, Chris Russo, uh, Michael K type of deal, Gordon Damer, uh, you know, Steve Summers, the schmoozer from yes. WFAN. So, you know, just great, great stuff, man. Trying to, and even Carton, the, the boomerang cartons of the world. I, the I was going to ask, did you watch that Carton documentary? I, I, I watched that not. over this whole period and it was great. I did not. I got to get into another guy too. Talk about another guy, Sid Rosenberg. Guy yeah. is awesome. Guy is awesome whenever you talk about sports and politics and everything like that. And the guy keeps it 100. So. I'm surprised you didn't you didn't check it out because I mean the whole story of what happened with Carton for those who don't know is crazy. I mean the guy is on here at Sports Radio 66. For those who aren't in you know the vicinity, it's just a legendary sports station. It was the first 24 hour sports station, uh, you know, AM radio. And this guy was making a ton of money doing a morning show with the legendary Boomer Esiason, and then got caught up in this uh, Ponzi scheme of. Uh, of ticket selling and basically uh, borrowing money that he wasn't able to pay back. And yeah, he was in debt a ton of money and it got caught. He got caught up in that and was going to do several years, I think originally in prison right. and was able to get out early. But this documentary, he's brutally honest about the whole situation. And I mean, it's, it's pretty crazy to hear that. I don't know if you heard him say this in his own words, but he would get in at I think three or four a.m. to do a morning show and prep, and so he would take a private plane from his house at night to go to Atlantic City and gamble for a few hours, and then take the plane over to Sports Radio sixty six and do a morning show. I mean, that is a true addiction, right there. Yeah, I mean, I've I gotta watch it, but I've heard some of the clips, like you said, and for for a guy like that to go out, I mean, think about that, right? Three four a.m. I usually wake up at four a.m. to go to work and spend eight hours at the job and then, ten, you know, two hours trying to get home, everything like that. Uh, it's definitely not fun spending 12 hours just about doing that. But if you're, if you're a guy like Craig Carton going out there and making the, the money that he is and, you know, you're trying to live vicariously, uh, you know, it's definitely something that is definitely eye-opening for sure. Like this guy was probably a hero to a lot, but ultimately he did himself in and now he's got the second chance being back at WFAN. He's with Evan Roberts on, on the drive time and uh, you know, going home and he's making the best of it. He is definitely making the best of it right now. I think they're like rated top five, I think in, in the, uh, since he's gotten back on with the, with the numbers going back up, but yeah, he definitely saved, saved the drive time going home against the guy like Michael K. So, you know, those numbers are definitely going to go back up for him in, in that sense. But I definitely got to watch that documentary for sure, because I, I've been hearing a lot of great things about it. And, you know, it's definitely, I can't wait to have my eyes open up wide for sure after hearing some of the things like that. So, yeah, you should definitely check it out. And then the other surprising thing in the local sports talk world over this whole uh, situation was seeing Mike Francesa retire for is this the second time or the yes. third time yep the second time I believe second time yeah but um 
I, w- I wonder even why. I know he spoke about spending time with family, but at the very end, he was doing what? One hour a day? I mean, he couldn't handle doing one hour a day. I assume making millions of dollars, but I guess he just wants to lay back at this point. But I would think that's the dream job, doing one hour on air and, you know, just <laughs> living the rest of your life. That's pretty much retired. Yeah. And, you know, I think some of it has to do with, you know, ego, probably, right? Trying to go out there and, make the best of your situation. But again, if you're getting, if you're the top dog at that time and you're getting all the the ratings and everything like that, you're seeing it. But the other, the other competition is like right there with you. You know, there's gotta be some, some give or take. Maybe he got stale. I don't know. A lot of people on the social media sites have been saying that he's gotten stale, but personally I loved hearing Francesa every day. uh, Just because the fact that he's, he's one of the rare guys that's, that spits the truth that goes out there and makes it happen. And, you know, he's older. He wants to spend time with his kids. He wants to go out there and be a part of their lives. I understand it. And I, you know, I get it, you know, we're trying to go out there and, and make it happen. But but you can do that while doing one hour on air every day. I, like I said before, I think it's more of like an ego thing. Like, like they want to cut me down to one hour. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to retire then at that point. I, I thought, I figured that was his choice because I would think they'd give Frances a three hours. I thought this was just kind of a compromise of, um, you know, he retired and now I just want to be on for a short period. Uh, I, that's what I thought because I mean, he, he always does great in ratings, so there's no reason they would cut him down, and then, I would think. And then, too, like, I I met the guy once at Yankee Stadium. You know, he's he's older. He's much older now. So, you know, maybe trying to go out there and say, you know what, if I – you go home, school kids, like I said before, school kids, everything like that, trying to go out there and make it, uh, it's, it's tough. It's definitely tough trying to go out there, but, you know – you're getting older. You want to go out and venture more and see what see what else is out there. But again, like you said, in one hour making one hour from his home too. Let's keep that in mind. Yeah. One hour from his basement in Manhattan. Yeah. Yep. So that's that's definitely crazy. But you know, we'll we'll see what happens there with uh, if he wants to make a comeback or not. I I would be surprised if he does make a comeback. But again, yeah. After this, I mean, after retiring again, I think it's time that you know. But this is also. Uh, you know me, I'm a bigger music guy, but this is also like Kiss having, you know, like 10 uh, farewell tours by now. Right. So, yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens. What do you think the future is for, for you guys for on the board sports? Like long term, where do you see everything going for, for you? What are your big goals? That's a very good question right there, Ian. Uh, our goal is to basically just keep on working and working and working and try and get, you know, as many listeners and stuff in. But more most importantly, like, when this whole pandemic is over, we've been trying to go out to like stadiums, maybe try and do like like a, a podcast outside of a venue. Like, let's say, start off local, start off at Nassau. If they do let fans back, or you know, you get baseball back, you do a thing at Yankee Stadium and that uh, at City Field. I know there are a lot of uh, big podcasts out there, like you know, talk, uh, talking Yanks. Uh, John Boy Media, they're located up in the Bronx. So they're going to be – that's their territory right there. They're literally right around the block from Yankee Stadium, and they're trying to make things happen, of course. But, uh, you know, the main thing is with everything going on, Ian, uh, it's def- with On The Board Sports, it's definitely something that uh, we definitely want to go out there. We want to talk to a lot of fans. We want to go out there and make some some content in which we could go and, 
interview fans, maybe if there's like a celebrity out there, maybe talk with them at a game or something like that, you know, try and make it, try and make it big because we don't know what tomorrow's going to bring. Let's be honest. We don't know what tomorrow's going to bring. And, and being right there at the at the stadium when that comes back actually is a big incentive to get someone on because it's like you don't even have to travel anymore. Just meet us here at the parking lot. We have a booth set up. So. Yep. Yep. And especially now with the way how everything is, you could just grab like a generator. Uh, you could have like a little Wi-Fi port or whatever it is. Or, you know, you could have your computer or laptop or your iPhone on you. And your iPhone is basically everything. It could be a camera. It could be, a, you know, a microphone. It could be everything for trying to go out there and make a podcast work. I've, I've had plenty of people uh, doing it uh, at that point in time, just basically just recording a podcast at a restaurant. And I, that's something that we've been looking forward to do, but because of COVID and with what happened, it's just, it's just a shame, but you know what? We've been talking to a lot of sports people at that point in time, whether it be, like I said, the broadcasters, former players, uh, and even some fans trying to go out there and make, things happen. Uh, it's been really unbelievable to say the very least of the growth of the on the board sports podcast, but definitely big things to come in 2021 and the future for sure. For sure. That's great, man. I I've done some, uh, just kind of spur of the moment interviews before on the iPhone and you're right. It works better than like, you know, a lot of the times in our world, people have those task cams, which are used to record remote interviews. Uh, yeah, I've never bought one. I've just used my iPhone. And I remember, uh, just a few names. I, I mean, when I was at Mohegan Sun, I interviewed Mark Slaughter. When I got to go backstage for that, I interviewed Jason Rao, who I'm sure we're going to have on soon from uh, Breaking Benjamin. And it was just right here with my iPhone talking right into it. And it, it works great. So yeah, you can do a lot of great stuff remotely. I mean, technology is more effective than ever right now. Uh, I just, my only thing is I don't want us to get too sucked into technology where it's, you know, that we're no longer meeting people face to face and everything is like this. I do fear that a little bit, that people are like scared to leave their homes at this point. I do want to get back to some return to normalcy. I mean, I'm out and about every single day taking and going out there to, to Queens, to Long Island City, where I work at. And it's just absolutely insane, you know, just seeing how, how, little like there's nobody out and about out in the street anymore you know that's the that's the crazy thing living in the boroughs and everything like that back 12 years ago 13 years ago seeing how packed everything was especially at rush hour now it's just like trains are dead everybody's working at home it's just absolutely insane Ian. you know it's just absolutely insane that we're just about a year into this we're nine months into this into this pandemic and you know Hopefully, you know, like you, there should be some sort of a bright spot for everything coming back. But again, it's it's going to be uh, it's definitely it's got to build itself back up slowly. Yeah, I'm. this is the first time in my lifetime speaking of um, when I was saying I'm thinking of moving and all that is that I mean, you're just seeing it in the real estate prices because I I basically I've talked about it on the show. I had to leave the apartment I was in in Port Washington because the house was sold. Right. So I'm back at my parents temporarily and I'm figuring out what I'm going to do. Mm-hmm. But Long Island has gotten ridiculously expensive because everybody is moving here in New Jersey. This is probably the first time that I can afford an apartment in like midtown Manhattan. They're actually not that expensive right now because no one wants to be there. So a big part of me is like, why am I even here? Because the big uh, incentive of living around the New York metro area is, in your case, going to sports sports games and events. 
going to all these great restaurants, going out to concerts. I mean, if you live or work you know, near the city, there's a different concert every single night, whether it's local or a big show at Madison Square Garden. And it's actually funny to see how, um, you know, if it's a country act playing at MSG, you see like Penn Station filled with people with cowboy hats and things like that. Like it, there was always some big events going on. And you just look around and try to figure out what the event was. And now all of that is gone. So a big part of me is like, why am I living here instead of Florida where I don't have to deal with this freezing, what is it, like 30 degree weather today? So I have a lot going through my mind of what I want to do next. And I'm, I'm undecided. I mean, I visited Arizona the other month and was thinking of going there, which I'm not at this point. But um, yeah, until things get back to where they were, if they ever do, there's just less of an incentive to live around here unless, you know, in your case, your job depends on it. And, and I get that. But there's more and more people like me doing pretty much other than my personal training stuff, which I, I enjoy doing, but it's not my main source of income. Everything else I'm doing right here from home. I'm doing narration for podcasts like um, In the Wild, all the stuff for narrative.fm. And then I'm doing this podcast. Um, you know, and then I do freelance voiceover work. I could do that from literally anywhere in the country. So I think a lot of people like myself are just like, why are we doing this again? Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. so, and it's in every field. It's not just what I'm doing with what I'm doing. There's guys who had years of working on Wall Street and they're now figuring out like they could trade stocks from home and do all that stuff from home just as effectively. And people like that are living other parts of the country because they're saying, why am I in New York City? Well, you know, why am I dealing with this hour long commute on the LIRR? So a lot of people are either figuring out, figuring it out or already did figure it out and have moved in the past few months. Absolutely. And, you know, with me, like I said before, I work with my hands, you know, being an electrician, so I can't be online and do do everything like that. But, you know, with the podcast, it's like I said, I, Sean and I, we love doing it. And we've learned a lot in the course of nine months how to go out there, produce, edit all this stuff go out and put it out there on anchor and you know or any other any other place where you could get a podcast uh site and we've been doing it so that's the main thing and we've been doing it and it's been absolutely unbelievable but you know i can't you know right now it's just it's it's crazy what's going on like i said in the five boroughs but with everything going on uh who knows like like we said if new york is going to come back or not I think it will, but it's going to, like I said, it's going to be a short time. So uh, any big sports predictions for 2021? I mean, this is the last podcast of the year, and I didn't even get a chance to say, I hope you did have a great Christmas, and I hope you have your, you know, you have a good new year, even though we're all kind of staying in. I'm going to be watching um, Tim Dillon's uh, uh, live stream that he's doing. I'm a huge fan of his, but uh, yeah. So what are your big sports predictions for 2021 in Uh terms of, actual sports and i also want to hear predictions for what you think in terms of places opening up because now you do have nfl games where there have some people in the stadium i'm wondering if you think there's going to be any progress in terms of that i mean state by state if you look at florida florida's pretty much opened up whether people agree with it or not people are out there going to concerts going to games so i'm just wondering your predictions on all of that um i think that in 2021 I think the new Belmont arena is going to open up because that's when, that's when they say it's supposed to open up. So as an Islander fan, I'm definitely hyped up about Belmont. Uh, I think that 
you're going to see a NBA team from Phoenix make it to the NBA Finals, the Phoenix Suns. I think that nobody really is – everybody's looking at the favorites right now, like the Brooklyn Nets. They've been playing great in two games. Uh, you, you look at the Lakers right now. They've been playing rather relatively well, even though the season started up or, uh, back on Tuesday. Uh, definitely a lot going on, but I like Phoenix a lot this year. There's just that component of having – a veteran point guard in Chris Paul, in which he's changed around every franchise's well, you know, well-being at that point from pretty bad to pretty good, and you have a guy like Devin Booker going out there, and he's a scoring machine. That kid is a scoring machine. DeAndre Ayton, him with uh, Chris Paul, that pick and roll is going to be absolutely unbelievable. So, and Monty Williams, they, him and Chris Paul, they've had a pretty good history when they were in New Orleans. Uh, even though they didn't make it far in the playoffs with that team, I think the Phoenix Suns are definitely going to be a surprising team to come out of the West. I think they're going to be a uh, NBA Finals team this year for sure, uh, albeit they were the 10th seed last year. But, again, things can happen, everything like that. I understand that. But I really like Phoenix's chances uh, in 2021. And then you look at the you know the NHL with everything going on uh, with their divisions and how they changed everything up. Uh, from that course of time when they had the East and Western Conference Finals. I think now you're going to see a lot of – you're going to see a Canada team probably make it in. It's a very high chance that you're going to see a Canadian team make it to the Stanley Cup Finals and possibly win it all. I, You know, you look at at the last time a Canadian team from Canada won it all, and I'm I'm not talking about the Montreal Canadiens. I'm talking about an actual Canadian team. The Montreal Canadiens, they were the last team to win a Stanley Cup from Canada. That was back in 1993. And, you know, since then, it's been really a lot of USA teams and such going out there and and winning it, mid-market teams, original six teams, everything like that. So it's been really, really interesting. So I could definitely picture a Canadian team making it to the Stanley Cup final uh, this year, just with everything, with the way how the divisions are. And then baseball. Uh, baseball, I don't know. I really don't know with baseball because, you know, we know about the Yankees, how, how great they are, but you know, they supposedly they're cash strapped and the Mets with Steve Cohen, Steve Cohen is trying to become the best owner in New York sports right now. I think it's John Ledecky and Scott Malkin with what happened with them and with the Islanders. And then it's, uh, Steve Cohen with the Mets and he hasn't done anything yet. But just the hype and the hoopla for the Met fan, uh, they definitely deserve it. So I think the Mets are going to own this town uh, in 2021. And I think the Yankees are going to drop off a lot. And I'm a Yankee fan. I'm a diehard Yankee fan. I can't picture uh, the Yankees without LeMayhew. And, you know, they're trying to go out there and win games. They're trying to build up their team through free agency and stuff and trying to get all-stars. That's not the way how you go out there and win. You look at the past Outside of the Dodgers, you look at the past, like, I don't know, six to eight world champions, you know, the Giants, the Royals, the Cubs. The Cubs had a great all-star team, 17, the Astros. Like, they were all built from the from the inside out, and they had homegrown players. The Yankees have homegrown players, but, you know, with the, with the, with everybody out there trying to make things happen, this is it for them. This is their year to basically make things happen or everything gets blown apart. 
I think the Mets are going to have a bounce back season. I think there's going to be a revitalized sort of energy with the Mets, uh, with Steve Cohen in place and having a lot of good baseball people there with Sandy Alderson being, being at the helm with the president of, uh, of the Mets. So we'll see what happens, but those are my takeaways for sure. And the Islanders are going to have a pretty big year as well. So I'll just leave it like that. And then uh, as for part two though, nationally, what do you think about people getting back in arenas and, you know, depending on outdoor, indoor, you have any predictions with that? Because like I said, Florida pretty much open up, whether people like it or not. New York is the polar opposite. Well, do you, do you think there's going to be any advances in terms of that? It all depends on what goes on with the politics and everything like that, that, uh, you know, now we're going to have a new president president in and, you know, with his uh, cabinet and his office, uh, there's a lot that's going to be said, but, you know, it, it, but you don't think it'll be left up to the States. I, Cause I could see, it is up to you know, the, the Marlins having a full capacity crowd. I wouldn't right. be surprised. You're right. But everybody looks at it nationally from, you know, with Dr. Fauci and now with Biden and everything like that. But you're right. It does come down to the governors at the end of the day and what they do with, with their, uh, with their States like Cuomo, if he's going to allow, you know, fans at that bills game in the next couple of weeks, you know, for that playoff game, it's going to be really interesting. I think they should have the season ticket holders go out there. Whoever paid for their season tickets should be the ones in the stands. That's, that's, I agree. you know, but again, uh, you know, the same thing can be said if hockey's back, you know, you got to do that for your season ticket holders. You can't let people that don't and, have it. Sure. And I will say there, I mean, there should be a differentiation between outdoor venues and indoor venues right. because we know the difference in risk. Yeah. Absolutely. But to get to, you know, the whole thing, I'm going to go maybe, you know, like Fauci said, I'm going to go summer. I'm going to go with the summer here because everything takes time. That's the main thing. Just because of the fact that we live in an instantaneous world right now, we live for, I need this right now. I need that right now. When meanwhile, July is just nine months away and you know, seven months away, excuse me. And you can go out there and plan it. You got to plan everything ahead. And I believe me, these governors and everything like that, these politicians have every doomsday scenario marked down. So I wouldn't be surprised if everything's back open by not everything's back open, but maybe like summer or something like that at that point. We'll Interesting. See. All right. Yeah, we, we will definitely see. And you know, what's the last thing I should ask you because we haven't really gotten into it, but like, a resounding theme pretty much every week on this podcast is just no matter who the guest is, you know, because a lot of the guys we have on are special operations military. So they know it from a whole nother level, but resilience, you know, staying strong through hard times. And I know for you, I mean, you did go through that more recently with the fact that the podcast was, you know, in limbo with everything going on. You're, I, and I don't know if you want to get into it, but your own career, which you're back on your feet with that. And then, as you said, even getting COVID, I mean, how did you stay positive through all that and, and uh, you know, manage to get through it? Well, the main thing is, Ian, and for the people out there listening, you got to have the mentality of the one day at a time logic, you know, that any day anything can happen at any given time. And, you know, I definitely believe in luck. I believe in everything like chances and stuff and karma and everything like that. So, you know, you got to go out there and you got to just – my. One of my friends, Patrick Dow, the Isle Sign guy, always has a sign that says, always believe, you know, with the team. It could be anything in life. It could be, you know, your family, sports, 
work, whatever it is, you got to always believe, you know, that's the main thing. It, it sounds so cliche and it sounds crazy, but it's the truth. You got to always believe no matter what, that something good's going to happen, you know, and the, the mentality of the, the, uh, it's like being the, the, the Met and Jet fan, you know, you're cautiously optimistic, but you're always expecting the worst, you know, <laughs> it, it's like that, but you always got to believe and you always got to take it one day at a time and say to yourself, you know, you can't think about the finish line. You got to think about how to go out there and make it happen for yourself. So that's the main thing. And with everything that's gone on, you know, I, I'm back on my feet right now. Uh, thank God. Uh, working wise, I've been working for the past five months, six months, uh, and just going out there and just making things happen. COVID, I'm young still, you know, and I know that there's that 99% rate in which everybody survives and everything like that. But think about it, in the world of 7 billion people, you're going to lose out on what, maybe a couple of thousand people, maybe even more than that, you know, because of the, the percentages and everything like that. That's still a lot of people. In that sense. So you got to just, no matter what, always believe, always believe that everything can go right. And you just got to make it happen. You can't have that, that mentality, that negative mentality. You just got to always. Yeah. I know. I was just going to say, when you said it's cliche, like a lot of those cliche phrases are cliche because they're true. And, and I feel like what you're saying, it's all these guests we have on from all different backgrounds, the people who persevere and the people who stay positive, they all have pretty much that exact same mentality. Right. And it's always the people who are doom and gloom and negative about everything who, who don't progress and they don't, you know, accomplish their goals. It, it's, it is all mindset. Yeah, absolutely. It is definitely all mindset. And it all depends on, you know, what your personal background is, you know, where, where you come from, who, who's, you know, family, everything like that, who are you getting talked up with and such. You got to surround. It's like basically if you're around cancerous people and you're around moldy people, chances are you're going to become that mold at that point in time, unless you get yourself out of that situation and you go out there and you make it happen. So that's the main thing. You Everything in your world revolves around you in that sense. You control the keys to you to your vehicle, you control your own destiny at the end of the day. And you just got to make everything happen for yourself. That's it. You know, you got to go out there and learn from your past mistakes and, you know, always believe. That's well said, man. And I'm glad to end it on that. I think it's all, you know, positive things that people need to hear. And I think a lot of people right now listening to this, just in general in the world, they're in a dark place. And, And if these, if podcasts like ours can get people through that, then we're doing something good. So, it's uh, for the actual podcast that you do at On The Board Sports on Instagram, at On The Board Sport on Twitter. That's right. And then to follow Will personally, it's at Will Chiarucci on Twitter and Instagram, which is at Will C-H-I-A-R-U-C-C-I. That's right. If you look at the, uh, <laughs> if you look at the description, I'll have the actual spelling and all that so you guys could follow Will. Um, and definitely check out his podcast if you're a sports guy, especially like, honestly, especially if you're a New York sports person, because it is very New York centric. You are New York guys, much like WFAN. You come from that same, uh, you know, that same mentality. Uh, anything else that, that you want to get to before we wrap this up? This has been awesome. This hour flew by. Ian, my man, thank you so much for, you know, having me on your podcast 
definitely got to have you on talk about what you're doing right now with with your podcast, obviously. And you know, I know that you're you're more of a music guy, but I know also know that you're that you can definitely hold your own with sports. So we'll definitely have you on. Oh yeah, a little bit. I'm I'm like a casual. I'm I'll be the first to say I'm a very like casual sports fan. You know, I am the guy who will probably not catch every game, but if the Islanders make the playoffs, yes, I'm going to get into it. I, you know, but that's, which is like a lot of people, right. but um, yeah, no, I, I mean, I could talk about a little bit of it, but I, I definitely am. You know what it is? I'm a fan of broadcasting in general. So like, I like to hear what Mike Frances is up to and what you guys are up to. And, you know, I, I'm just a, I'm a total nerd for all that stuff. If I'm into something, I'm a nerd for it. You know, yeah, like absolutely. whether it's music or fitness or, or just broadcasting in general, like I, I just get very into it. Absolutely. And, you know, like I said, there's always a spot for you on, you know, to come on and talk with us if you're ever interested in coming on and talking with us. And, you know, listen, the main thing is with everything going on, like we're not just about New York sports. We're not that one trick pony where we could go talk about what's going on in the New York world. We could talk about anything. We could talk about what's going on down in Carolina with like the hurricanes or like with the Hornets at all or anything like that. You know, we've had on some great personalities like I, like the aforementioned John Forsland, or we could talk about with the LA Kings, Alex Faust, you know, play, play by play guys. We could talk sports with anybody, anywhere, anytime. That that's the main thing. We're not that one trick pony where we're just going to talk about New York sports. No, we're more of a national component. And that's something that, you know, that's really underrated and that, you know, we can go out there and talk. We can talk sports with anybody. That's what's up, man. That's awesome. This has been great. We'll have to meet up in person at some time soon because, as we said, it's probably been a year since I've actually seen you in person. Yes, sir. Uh, I'm with but, you. yeah, man, thanks for coming on. No problem. Thank you for having me, man. I really appreciate it. And, you know, it's thank you. It's been a real honor being on your show. And thank you again, bro. I really appreciate this. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed that episode. Be sure to follow us, as always, at Battleline Podcast on Instagram, at Battleline Pod on Twitter. And this is in order because we haven't been getting enough of them. And then we slip in the rankings. Leave a review for us on Apple Podcasts. And if you want to follow me, I am at Ian Scotto on Instagram, on Twitter. Uh, with that, wrapping things up, Fort Scott Munitions is a manufacturer of multi-federal patented solid copper and brass CNC spun ammunition that is designed to tumble upon impact in soft tissue, leaving devastating wound channels for faster bleed out and quicker incapacitation. This ammunition was originally developed to innovate and improve on the standard of military grade ammunition design. And it was found that not only did the TUI ammunition outperform competitors, in the self-defense industry, but it quickly became apparent that it would be a top contender for hunters alike. With the ammunition being CNC spun, the tolerances are some of the tightest on the market, ensuring that you receive the same results with each pull of the trigger. Fort Scott Munitions is available throughout privately owned businesses in all 50 states, as well as direct online through fortscottmunitions.com. Use the exclusive promo code BATTLELINE for 15% off your order only available to listeners of the Battleline podcast. Fort Scott Munitions is a proud supporter of Chris Peranto, Battleline Tactical, and the Battleline podcast. I really, really have to thank you guys for giving us another awesome year of this podcast. I mean, this is our first full year, so 
all of you have been sticking with us and spreading the word. It means the world to us. This has been a rough year. It's been a crazy year for everybody. If it wasn't a crazy year for you, you're out of your fucking mind, <laughs> right? Because I think everybody is feeling the impact of what's going on in some way. So if you're going through some stress, just know that you're not alone. And uh, hopefully we helped you in some way get through it. You guys help us get through it um, and help us have a really successful year with this podcast. I, I mentioned this last episode, get your emails into us before January 8th. I'm going to do a what was going to be a guest-free show with Tonto. Maybe we'll get Gary Brugman on for that show as well, but we will do a Q&A. We will do your emails. So send them in by January 8th, and the best ones will get some free giveaways from us. Uh, we have, like, books from authors who have come on, and then the biggest giveaway, we're going to do one uh, of Tonto's mag giveaways. That's going to be huge for the best email. So any questions that you have for us, just send them over, Podcast at gmail.com. Hope you have a great new year. Celebrate responsibly, especially with all that's going on. Uh, and that is it for this week. See ya, everybody. That's all for this episode of the Battleline Podcast, but we'll be back on Monday with more American Straight Talk. Until then, be sure to follow us on Instagram at Battleline Podcast and on Twitter at Battleline Pod. To sign up for future Battleline tactical courses, go to www.christantoperanto.net. Believe in yourself, face all challenges head on, and as always, never quit. <laughs>